This podcast is not suitable for work. If you're under the age of 18, kindly and with all due respect, get the fuck out. I mean it. Go on. Bye-bye. Mm-mm. See you later. This isn't for you. Nope. Mm-mm. America has a strange relationship with sex. We're obsessed with it, but it terrifies us. We censor it because it's constantly being shoved down our throats. But our dirty little secret is we like things shoved down our throats, especially when we're in bondage or we're wearing leather or being slapped around a little bit. And, oh, God. <clears throat> I'm Sunny Megatron. Join Ken Melvoinberg and I as we explore, dissect, and demystify American sex. Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. American Sex with Ken Melvoin Berg and Sonny Megatron. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, listeners, and Ken and me. It's American Sex Podcast Anniversary. I just rhymed by accident. And I'm so thrilled with myself. <laughs> Congratulations, dear. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's our one year anniversary, August 9th, 2017. We debuted American Sex Podcast on iTunes and all the other platforms, and boom, it's a year later. Yep. Yeah. And we had some good guests. We had some amazing guests in the past our year. Our podcast has grown. It's we getting have, bigger and bigger every week. We, we kind of like my waistline. <laughs> We have awesome listeners like this. We've done really well this year with our podcast. We have. Yeah. And this is an interesting weekend coming up for a lot of our friends. I know that like the Woodhull Conference is going on this weekend. Gen Con is going on this weekend. And there was an interesting thing that happened at Gen Con that I read about today. What? Apparently some alt-right oh, gaming no. guy was doing his podcast, doing anti-feminist, anti-SJW stuff, and a guy in a great big fucking rainbow shirt came up and pounded the fuck out of him. Kudos, whoever you are, mystery man, kudos to you for I punching love, that dude in the face. I love rainbow shirt punchy I person. <laughs> I do. I <laughs> love him you. too. When we find out his name, we're going to give him a big kudos, and hopefully uh, he doesn't let the trolls get to them if they find out who he is. Totally. Totally. Oh, well... You know, that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize when you go to someplace like Gen Con is that um, they have a higher average than normal of people that are queer um, in members of the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. uh, by double like yeah. what, the, what the national average uh, would be for any particular event. And so it should be a safe space for everybody instead of fucking alt-right trolls. And probably a good thing I'm not there right now, too, because yeah. fuck that guy. Yeah. And for those who aren't in the gaming community, Gen Con is, is it the biggest it's, gaming convention in the world, right? I don't know in the world. But it's, it's the largest role-playing big. convention uh, because or there are a bunch of other gaming conventions that may actually be larger with larger attendance. I'm not sure. But it's the one that is the largest role-playing game convention in the United States, at least. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, I, <laughs> I just Talked now I'm did you really have to explain it? Did you really have to explain what you just did? I think we all fully understood <laughs> that you belched on us. And please leave that in. You know, okay. This just goes to show after a whole year of getting to know you all, I'm so comfortable with you. I peed in my pants for you all, listeners, a bunch Every of times. Episode. Yeah. But I think this was my first inadvertent belch. So there we go. Hi everyone. I'm Ken Melvoin Burke. And I'm <laughs> 
<laughs> Megatron. Yeah, I'm Sunny Megatron. And welcome to what? Episode 53 of the American Sex Podcast. Yeah, our anniversary episode. So before we get to our guest, which, by the way, is Minimus Maximus. We'll tell you about him in a second. It's a great fucking episode, especially those of you who are into femdom stuff. You're going to love this. But we have some listener questions about our anniversary on social media, you know, Facebook and Twitter. A bunch of people asked us some questions about our podcasting journey for a year. So first question is, do you two ever disagree on the podcast or about the podcast? And how do you solve your disagreements? Every day, all the time. Yeah. I think that's our brand, right? Bickering is our love language. Yeah, bickering is our love language. You, you know what? That's actually not 100% true. What happens is we have minor disagreements about a couple of different issues. And I think a lot of it just boils down to personal experiences, like 90% of the stuff that we do, I think we're pretty much on the same page with. And then every now and again, there's an outlier conversation or a way to do it. But what we do is I throw a temper tantrum. She looks at me in fear for three seconds. I go upstairs and smoke a bowl. Yeah. It sounds very codependent when I describe it like this, but <laughs> it works for us. So don't judge. Yeah. This is, and then this everything's is, fine. And then everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I would say most of our disagreements are just stupid little shit. Like, like the, the podcasting version of who left the cap off the toothpaste. It's like stupid shit. And it then is. we just and, go blah and then it's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty yeah, much. Totally. Totally. And your look in fear is more just like, I'm a man yelling. It's not like you're thinking I'm going to be physically abusive. I don't no, think. no, 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 no. <laughs> it's just no. like male aggression yelling. And yeah. that's, I'm a man, so I yell and men are trash. So yeah, that's a oh, thing. I love you. Why do you love me? I don't know. Because you said that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We're all trash. Every fucking one of us. So next- There's no hiding that. And, and if you think men are trash, fuck you, you're trash. <laughs> I, don't and I don't care if you're a man or not. I don't not. care if you're a man or not. I don't. We're all fucking trash. So what was the most surprising, <laughs> this is the next question, and I think I've just answered this, what was the most surprising thing each of you learned about each other or learned about the other that you, you openly think men are trash and that I love you a little bit more for again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I um, Like, what is it that surprised me about you? Mm. Nothing. I think I know you pretty well, and I don't really have any surprises. I don't think from your end of things, you're very stable and kind of consistent in the way that you do things. And it's you're pretty much par for the course. You've been the same way for the last four or five years. Oh, thank you. And before that, I was a fucking hot mess, Ken. Only four or five years. I don't know. Uh, no, you weren't since I met you. No, I you, you, you seem to be pretty together. Everybody else in my life, except not you prior to you. I had other people in my life were hot messes, but I was, I was like, oh, the, that's great for me because like my, my baseline is I don't have to try and, you know, like hit myself in the head with a hammer. Literally, that's my goal. Yeah. Is I yeah. just don't have to do that. I don't have to like yell at you and throw salad at your head and hit my head with a hammer. Yeah. Like yeah. if I don't do those two things, unch- achievement unlocked. I've done good. Totally, totally. I would say I, this isn't really a surprise, but I think I like the podcast because when we have conversations, whether it's during an interview or during our intros where we talk with each other, I think it gives us a platform to have some intimate conversations that are actually very public. And I think we have We've had conversations about us or our relationship or just little things I've learned about you or your personality that we may not have otherwise had. Like the, the podcast served as a, a platform to have those conversations that may not have ever happened. So I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And for me personally, it's been 
um, a little bit of a journey, just taking a look at everything that our listeners are concerned with and, you know, just dealing with toxic masculinity on such a, a grand scale. I'm trying to do what I can to sort of eliminate that from my life. Um, and I've been, dealing, it's been a shitty year for me personally. Like I've lost two of my best friends, my dad, my brother, my dog, um, like everything has been going downhill and I'm, I'm currently being treated for depression. And I think I was surprised that a lot of people that don't know me were, were, I guess, genuinely surprised to find out that I was a depressed person because I don't come across that way, but it's something that's more recent and it's since October that the depression has kicked in. So I've always had maybe a low grade depression, but nothing that had been, you know, and it's not a, like for me, it wasn't about, self-harm it was just such a deep depression that i was sleeping in bed a lot so i've reached out to the va and they're really good about you know especially the jesse brown va here in chicago they're very good at dealing with veterans with depression because there's some stuff that relates to my ptsd for my service there's some stuff that is general depression on how i was raised and you know abused by a step parent there's a variety of different things that happened that sort of accumulated to get to this point so it wasn't just like a bunch of bad shit happened and boom i'm depressed they actually stopped and looked at all the different things that led me to the place where i am right now yeah yeah and, and, and none I, of this has anything to do with our podcast today no, by the way but it does all. have to do with the last year and the question I yeah guess. yeah and i mean you know things have been shitty like there's there's shit going on with our house and personal things and like uh, but we love you and we put we try to put on a smiley face and but when it comes to depression like you were saying i think there it's a misnomer that a lot of people think oh your depressed friends and family are the ones that are walking around like eeyore with a cloud over their head going i'm so depressed and oftentimes it is your smiley seemingly happy friends that may have something going on behind the scenes that you don't know about. Like you never know what's going on in somebody's life. Yeah. And it was interesting when I was talking to the um, psychologist and psychiatrist, I told them that um, things like outreach lines sometimes are trash uh, being just because like when you're at your most depressed, the last thing in the world that a depressed person wants to do is really reach out to a phone. And and like, it's great that they have them for those people that do, but I think for the majority of us, that isn't a helpful thing, but knowing that there is help is a great thing. Right. Right. So if you are depressed, if you're going through depression at the very least, the one thing that I learned from talking to the two psychologists and a psychiatrist at the VA is just reach out to anybody that you can, empathize with or that you feel you can communicate with if you have just one person that helps out and if you don't have one person at that point you know maybe it is the the phone stuff that Mm -hmm. you might want to reach out to and there's lots of resources there for anybody and if you're a veteran there's even more resources out there for you yeah yeah so next question congrats you guys here's to many more anniversaries for the two of you and the podcast have you guys ever had to retract a previous statement such as it was inaccurate or your view of the statement has changed over time or you got flack for it and had to address it later etc 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 i i would say that it's more we realize we fucked up before we edited because <laughs> we try to check things for accuracy we try to be as forthcoming as we can on stuff and we may retract something that we said at the beginning of the podcast three years from now when times change a little bit and, you know, society changes along with it. There's things that I said 10 years ago that I would never say today. Yeah, there's shit I said five years ago that I would Wouldn't never say, say today. today. Yeah. And I think, you know, and, and my answer to that is like, we haven't yet. 
because we're all human beings and we're all like you said, you know, we're all constantly growing. There's we look back a few years and some of the the beliefs that we've had or the terminology that we use. And today it makes us cringe like, oh, I can't believe I was, you know, so gendered in my or whatever it is. And another five years from now, there are going to be other things where we continue to learn and we continue to grow. And, you know, our social awareness continues to evolve. So I think that's that's kind of a normal part of of growth, especially people who are in sort of more a social justice adjacent, um, you know, profession. We're yeah, going to yeah. keep growing and learning and I mean, we're going to fuck shit up. The bottom line is that we're human. We fuck up. And this is the, the, the counterpoint to that. If you tell me that a word hurts you when I say a thing, I stop saying a thing, no matter what the word is, no matter what people think of that. Like I just, my intention is never, ever, ever to hurt anybody. And, I don't have the experience that you have or that any of the listeners have. So I've got to take your word for it. When you say, Hey, when you say this thing, it hurts me. And would you please stop? I'm like, absolutely. I'll stop. And I didn't mean to hurt you when I said it initially, it was a word that I was accustomed to saying or totally unaware or or unaware of like negative connotations with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, like you said, there's parts where we're like, Hey, remember the thing that I said, why don't, when we were editing, can we just take that out? Like I do that. I, I, I'm glad I'm the editor because I'm like, I can just edit myself. (laughs) Like, Oh, that was a weird thing that I said that my weird, my words went weird. I'm just gonna. And and one of the other side notes, we have to adjust our language with things. There are times when I talk about people that are not the same as me, where we definitely have to adjust some stuff. So if we're talking about somebody who's not cis, not white, and not hetero, and I'm the one who's speaking about it, we have to look at my language with a critical eye. And that's what you guys don't see is all the things that Sonny does in editing and in post to make it so that we don't do that stuff. So it is a conscious effort on our part, but it is an effort. Like we do it and Sonny works very, very hard at editing the show to make sure that like we haven't done something inaccurate, fuck up or said something accidentally hurtful. Like all of those things are things that we're concerned with. In addition to like the ums, the ahs, the breathing noises, the burps that sometimes I guess we leave in apparently the the farts, whatever it happens to be. So last question, what highlights unexpected connections and achievements did you have? Um, Also any unexpected hiccups that you have this year that you didn't foresee? So I would say unexpected hiccups, like when we recorded when we recorded that one, uh, and I can't remember who was on, but there was been a couple we, we times we forgot to hit record, and we were we like forgot fifteen to hit, minutes when, in. And by we, you mean you? Like, totally. Own yeah. that. Own that. Don't oh, say. Don't say I'm gonna, we. <laughs> I'm going to own that because I do all the tech stuff. So so all the for, good. For I like all, all the good the stuff. Good, is yeah. yours. For all of the good that I do in a technical realm, I'm going to fuck up sometimes. And yeah, exactly. And I it's only been once re- or twice. Yeah. Where you, and like haven't hit record. Recently, we had a corrupted file where we recorded this, which was great nobody's intro fault. And, like, yeah. That was the computer's fault. So that shit happens. I think another thing that we didn't foresee is like our a never-ending saga with our Patreon. And I know we talked a little bit about this on other episodes, but they're still clamping down more and more likely due to fallout from SESTA FOSTA. Now we've been delisted and reclassified as adult content, even though on our Patreon, I try to keep it super duper clean. Like I purposely not putting anything that could be construed as like, oh, that's pretty, you know, perverted or whatever. And uh, so now like we're not in searches anymore. Like our Patreon was growing and growing and we had new members and now we've kind of come to a standstill. And I know for me, 
when I heard about all this stuff, like the last month or so, if you're a Patreon supporter, you know, I've been laying kind of low. Like I haven't been posting a lot, just trying to kind of stay under their radar because I knew they were doing this re-examination of all the people and they fucking got us. So, you know, I have a bunch of bonus stories. They're coming. Like but, <laughs> a blooper I, but, reel. I, but yeah. I also think that they that they need to reevaluate us as Patreon uh, supporters uh, simply because, like, I don't think that we should be classified the way that they're classifying us. Other than the word sex in the title, there's nothing salacious. We're not putting up photos that are naughty or even potentially nude it's mostly just audio stuff for yeah, the most part and it's and it's educational we're and it's not, not like, we're not doing erotica right we're hey not doing erotica. let me let me say some kind of words or you come to my voice like you know we don't do any of that shit but that would be a cool episode so for our anniversary episode, we want to also give a sincere shout out to our awesome sponsors. So we only work with sponsors that we truly believe in. And we get approached by all sorts of, you know, like penis growth pills and all sorts of like shady, questionable products. And we turn them down as sponsors. Now, and, and by the way, that hurts us financially to do that. And it's but it is so off brand for us to take like a numbing agent in like, like talking about how right. the, the positives behind that and there's products that we just don't believe in if you listen to other podcasts that do use that i'm not calling them out and saying they're shameful but we know that that stuff doesn't work so we're not going to recommend something to you that doesn't work exactly but one sponsor that we do love peepshowtoys.com they're a small independent online sex toy retailer on the east coast and they're really big about supporting other small businesses and you know helping the underdogs like the butters lube funk it toys and they are working with a new retailer uberime dildos and i just got some and they're fucking amazing so stay tuned for a video shortly i also just reviewed the fun factory stronic on peep show's behalf and that's up on my youtube channel and igtv and I'm going to be doing a wand vibrators video. So we do lots of stuff with Peep Show in addition to just talking about them on American Sex Podcast. So keep an eye out for all that stuff. And Peep Show Toys, thank you for accompanying us on this journey. And uh, American Fuckers, they've got something good for you too. As always, you can use code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out at peepshowtoys.com and get 10% off your entire order. And by the way, that works on how many of our orders you order, how many of things you have in your order and it oftentimes stacks with some of their other deals so that's pretty damn cool we also want to give a big shout out to castle megastore they've been a sponsor of ours since the beginning when we uh do go and lecture at the actual brick and mortar locations they treat us like rock stars uh they're supplying all of you with some really great toys throughout the year uh and they've ju they've just been with us from the beginning and have given us constant support so thank you castle megastore uh, we're also hosting a giveaway this month with Castle Megastore, and you can win an Ojoy Olive. To enter, go to sunnymegatron.com slash olive, and you can get a 20% off select items at castlemegastore.com when you use the code SUNNY at checkout. Now, what you've been waiting for this week's guest is Minimus Maximus. Minimus Maximus is a BDSM educator, activist, and cult survivor who has been active in the public kink community on and off for over 20 years. He is also the co-host of the Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast, which makes him a perfect combination of old guard and new flesh. Maximus teaches classes on humiliation play, taboo play, and other forms of emotional BDSM. He's a lifestyle submissive and an intense humiliation degradation bottom who won't say no to the occasional flogging. 
I loved talking to Menace Maximus. We have talked to his partner, Dick Wound, his co-host on Off the Cuffs podcast quite a few times, but I enjoyed getting now to know him a little bit better. And listeners, if you're interested in femdom activities like chastity or C, I always fuck up this, CFNM, clothed female nude male. Got it. I was Naked male. I or nude, naked, nude. <laughs> You're fucking me up. I always get like weird dyslexic on that and I can never say it. But all sorts of stuff. And then he tells us about the cult that it's seriously the cult he grew up in as a kid and how that informed his sexuality. Also, how BDSM and Asperger syndrome, because he is on, on the spectrum, um, play into each other. It's a fascinating conversation. So buckle up, you know, fasten on that chastity belt. <laughs> <laughs> And you're really going to love our conversation with Minimus Maximus. And before we go, again, listeners, thank you so much. We love you. Let's have another great year together. At least one more year. Yes. Maybe two or three or four or five. Or 18. Or 18. 20. Forever. Yes, forever. Till my head is in a jar. Mm -hmm. But we're poly, so you can listen to other podcasts, too. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, American fuckers. We have the amazing... Minimus Maximus. Hi. 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 We're so excited to have you on the show today. Now, uh, first of all, those of you who listened to a previous episode that we had with Dick Wound might remember the podcast Off the Cuffs. This is the other half, the the silent half, the silent Bob of the team (laughs) (laughs) of Off the Cuffs. Because I don't think you were there at that on that particular day. Like you had something you were doing, and you said you hated us and we were fat, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And then I had to I had to walk that all back when you came and did my show like two weeks later. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. You did. You did. Yeah. So I I do want to ask you something. I want to do like a Freaky Friday and switch roles because you guys always ask this. So tell us what was your radioactive spider bite into cake? Oh, I knew this was coming. <laughs> right? I'm. You're like, look, I've never heard that one from another podcaster before. You're so fucking original. What's great is when we do a vanilla podcast, they always ask it too. Oh, really? (laughs) They think they're so cool and they're so hip. Exactly. (laughs) All right. So then I'll make it. How did you get into kink there? (laughs) (laughs) I got into kink, uh, into the public kink community uh, about 20 years ago. I was in college Uh, before that when I was not of the legal age to be buying pornography in those pre-internet days, my porn choices were what my dad rented. Mm-hmm. And my dad liked kink porn. <laughs> oh, so it's like so nurture it's or ge- nature. And it's genetic. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, like he had the, um, the Anne Rice books, the Sleeping Beauty. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That yeah. was the first dirty thing I read to the first kinky thing. Right. Yeah. And, and, and if you're listening, we love you. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she's uh, trolling kink podcast. Oh, totally. She listens every week. Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't know. Maybe she does. In my heart, she does. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and like, I liked those. They were kind of interesting to me. But what, what really set it off was uh, when he rented movies one weekend. And I don't know. I was watching like some, if you remember what kink porn looked like. In the 1990s, there was no actual fucking in the videos. It was just like a lot of it was just just the bondage or just the spanking. Um, yes, yeah, very similar to like if you haven't seen those before, listeners like the Betty Page videos of the 1950s. Right, right. Um, but um, I was watching 
one that he had rented. My parents were out somewhere, and I was like, oh, there's porn in the house. So I was going to do what a 16-year-old boy was doing. And um, I... Um, I was watching, I think, I think it was like a bondage and flogging video and it was a lot of male tops, female bottoms. Mm -hmm. And I I remember watching them going, I, I, there's naked people, but I'm not getting it. And then there was one with a female bottom and a female top. And when I saw the, the woman take control, something in my brain went, yeah, that's the thing you're into. Um, oh. you want a woman to do that to you. And it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the actual act of the, the tying and the beating and that stuff. Um, it was the, the control aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, what I later learned was femdom, but you know, I didn't have the words at 16 in 1992. <laughs> um, <laughs> you just, you're just like hot, bossy, bitchy lady. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I knew I had that interest, but I had no idea what to do with it. And I kept seeking out stuff like leg show magazine. Oh, I love leg remember? show. Yeah. Oh, wasn't leg show great. It was amazing. Um, I used what, to, what, what is it? Seriously? Sir? Yeah. Um, it was, okay. It was the like high gloss, high end porn magazine, like, like hustler or penthouse, but it was specifically marketed to submissive foot fetishists. So they would focus on calves and they would have like Cuban heeled stockings and like a variety of different shoes and like right. every, everything foot and leg related. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I never saw any of that. I I saw kink stuff later in life, but 90s right. kink, I'm like, yeah, I, I was foreign to me. In fact, one of the first erotic magazines I ever picked up um, that did the same thing to me that is that uh, Minimus is talking about was Equus Eroticus. Oh, yeah. With the pony play. With po- all pony play stuff. Yeah. That was amazing. But yeah. it's from that For- same era. Right. Um, but like the other great thing about leg show was not only did they focus like these, these great, beautiful shots of the woman's calves and, and high heels, but then there was also the stories that accompanied, uh, the, the photos were always, you know, I got s- caught sniffing panties in the girl's dorm and they tortured me for it, you know, <laughs> um, uh, very, very, uh, femdom kind of related content. Um, but I like, I, I had this interest, but I had no idea that it was a thing that people could do outside of the realm of fantasy. Like I, you know, I was in college, I had a girlfriend and when, when we have sex, you know, I used to ask, could you yell at me? Is that, it? Is that possible? Can you do that? Um, <laughs> she found that odd. Yeah. Um, but then the internet came along and, I found the world of BDSM chat rooms ah. and I thought it was just for people exploring their fantasies. Um, but I met somebody in one of those chat rooms who became uh, kind of my, my guide, my mentor into the scene um, where we, we were just talking about, and he was talking about real things he did with his slave. And I was blown away by the idea that there were people that actually live this lifestyle. And he said to me, I'm, ha- uh, we happened to be both living in New York at the time. He said, I'm having a house party this weekend, you know, after months of emailing and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want to come by and see what this is about. And that's, uh, that was my introduction. You know, I met people there. I saw Fireplay for the first time at that party. Was your mind and, completely blown? Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember I was actually living with that girlfriend at the time and I went back to our apartment and I said, I saw a guy get set on fire 
<laughs> and what was her reaction? Because she wasn't she was like, even into yelling. Fire department. <laughs> <laughs> she said, "Why?" And I said, "No, no, no! It was he wanted to be. It was negotiated." I, I don't think I said negotiated because I don't think I had the lingo down. Right. Um. But that was the initial radioactive spider bite. I was, and I was just uh, fortunate enough to be young in New York. Uh, in the late nineties when like the hellfire was still around and the vault was still around, um, you know, and I became a member of Tess, um, the Jugendspiegel society. And then I took, um, it's funny, Sonny, when, when you came on our show and you talked about, um, having been married and kind of in like that vanilla monogamous space Mm -hmm. that happened to me after I had already stepped my my feet into kink. Oh no! Oh, so at least sorry. I didn't even know what I was missing, so I was you know oblivious <laughs> and you know well p- yeah. pretending to be happy. But you knew that's horrible. Um, so after my divorce, when I started uh, going out and dating again, uh, I met a girl who was I was very attracted to, and for uh, we had been dating for uh, two or three weeks, and I like really liked her mm-hmm. and. I just had this moment where I said to myself, you know what? I was not very happy in my marriage. And one of the reasons I was not very happy is because my sexuality wasn't being met. Mm -hmm. I have to do it. I'm going to have to out myself. Uh, And she did the absolute best thing you could do. And I, I called her and I told her, okay, I used to be in BDSM. Now that I'm not married again, I want to be back in BDSM. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm going to call you back. And about 18 hours later, she called me back and said, uh, I bought some books. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, had, she bought like, uh, screw the roses. Give me the thorns. Oh, that's and, the best. Uh, oh, sex my tips goodness. from the doc. Uh, was the one sex tips from a dominatrix. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for, for people listening, if, cause yeah. we get this question, like, what do I do? My partners mm-hmm. come to me and told me they're into kinky stuff and I don't know anything mm-hmm. about it. That is the best thing to do. Go out yeah. and like buy the book. Cause it not only shows that you, you want to learn is that you care. Cause we just went on like little yeah. tears of joy are dripping we, down our You, you know cheeks. what it is? It's that for me, screw the roses was my version of, um, like the internet before the internet. Like I yeah. needed to find out these arcane, very, very select subjects. Like you couldn't find how to throw a single tail whip unless you owned a copy of screw the roses. Yeah. The thorns. It told you how to make a ball gag. It right. told, it was one of the first books that uh, explained pervertibles a little bit, how to make your own floggers and whips and how to do a basic Japanese rope harness tie and all these mm-hmm. amazing things. And it's timeless. Now, I, you know, granted, I haven't read it in a few years, so some of the language might be dated. Yeah. You know, but it's, they, it's good for the basics. Still. It's good for basic yeah. skills. Anybody who wants it, it is out of print, but you can find it out there, I believe. Or I have, I, yeah, I have it actually in, in my store on my website. They, they oh, like great. early to bed has it. And I'll, I'll okay. put a link in the show Super. notes, but I always look at it as like, you know how when you go to like the joy of cooking gives you the basics, like how to boil an egg. How to, you know, basic, how to make a turkey. Like that is screw the roses to me. Like all the basic reference guide of all the things. So anyway, we just geeked out on, on a book. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that was, uh, that was pretty much it. And like during that time, that was my, uh, re-enter into BDSM activity. Um, that woman and I were together for five years. Mm -hmm. It was one of the best relationships in my life. Um, 
Yeah, uh, we are not together anymore. But during that time, uh, we were monogamous. We'd go out to clubs, but we never really, um, we weren't, we weren't poly. Uh, we weren't on the social media. Like I wasn't on FetLife. She wasn't on FetLife because we saw it more as a dating site. Right. Um, so we weren't going to munches and stuff like that, really. It was really just bedroom play, the occasional club play. But we were having a great time. I was having a great time reintroducing myself to it. Um, and then after I broke up with that woman, my, uh, our friend Jack TPK, who's been on our show a few times, he does, or he used to do uh, a 4th of July barbecue every year. He hasn't done it in the past few years because it conflicts with test fest. Um, but I was at his barbecue and, and it was right after, uh, I had broken up with this woman. He said to me, if you want to meet people, you know, you can come to this munch that I've started going to. And so that was how I got reacquainted into public kink. Okay. Yeah. Where I met my partner in crime, Dick Wound, was at that munch. Aww. Like, Aww. That's awesome. Like two years later, but yeah. Nice. <laughs> Minimus, I have a question for you real quick. For Okay. Uh, and this is something I've never done with any other guest, and you can completely say no. I do not want to put you on the spot. I don't want to make this sure. non-consensual. And now you're interested, aren't you? Uh-huh. Um, I want to read <laughs> portions of your fetishes that you're interested in from your FetLife profile. Is that- Absolutely. Okay. All right, so we're going to do something today with Minimus Maximus that we've never done with any other guest before, and he has a very extensive list on his FetLife profile of fetishes that he is interested in. Now, Mm -hmm. for those of you not familiar with it, uh, FetLife is short for fetish lifestyle. It is a it is like Facebook for perverts in that there yeah. is a bunch of information there. It's not necessarily a dating site, although you can find dates there, but it is uh everything to do with BDSM kink poly situations or anything even ancillary to that. Yeah. Uh so part of this is if you choose to, you can make a fetish list and you can choose uh, a fetish like say you're into being spanked and then you can choose into giving, receiving or everything about it or you know there's there's a variety of choices there. Curious so I'm going to read about watching. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and I'm going to read a couple of these um, okay. for you. All right, now, the first one that I like is be quiet and just lick my ass, receiving. Now, it's interesting <laughs> because you are you identify more as a submissive, right? Yes, yes. Okay, and that's – so explain to the listeners how that's okay to put on your FetLife profile and be a submissive. Oh, no, I'm into receiving somebody saying that to me. Oh! oh. See, okay. I'm glad we did this. Okay, yeah, because I was quote. picturing, I was picturing like you know, because we always say you can top and you can bottom, but if you want to, you can bottom in a very toppy way, or or sure. you know, in a very dominant way, or you could you could be toppy in a very submissive way. So I thought you'd be like, oh, yeah. oh no, you're and, you embarrassing know, you know, it's interesting. me. You're I didn't, my ass. I didn't even notice the quotes. So that's interesting that uh-huh. that's there. So when you take a look at these fetishes, some of them have quotes and some of them do not. Right. All right. So the next one is very similar to that in that it's don't you dare come without my permission. And that's, again, a quote. Quote. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and we're going to go down a little bit further here. Let's see. Uh, like, and Sonny, if you could look at a couple of these. Oh, two. I don't know where they are. You're always you're making looking sure. On your phone. Oh, this is a good one. Always making sure she comes first receiving. Sure. Uh, next one being an emotional pain slut. Now explain, yeah. and that doesn't have quotes. So explain a little, oh, I'm sorry. It's larger than that. Cause it looks like there's a bunch of them. It's being an emotional pain slut, being braver today than I was yesterday, being dominated by someone who has a mental health strength that doesn't cower to my intelligence, but conquers it receiving. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> actually, um, 
it's it's not one that is three separate. That finishes. is three separate ones. Okay, because yeah. they just all happen to all be receiving and they're in yeah, the same I, string. Yeah, I wasn't great on the right the giving receiving on all of those because, <laughs> um, you know when it when it starts out with being, I got confused on. Do I say that I'm giving or receiving or in? You know, so, um, being an emotional pain slut is actually. Uh, that is my number one primary go-to kink is, uh, I am a very intense humiliation bottom. So give us an example, you know, cause humiliation is so diverse. What's, sure. what's good kind of humiliating to me might be mm-hmm. like the bad kind of humiliating to you versus might not sure. be humiliating at all to the next person. That's true. So f- what to you, like, give me an example of what that would okay. be or sound like. And that's, that's, that's funny, Sonny, because I actually... I teach a class on humiliation play and uh, one of the things I do in the class is I, um, you know, either have a whiteboard in the room or I bring a, a small portable whiteboard with me and I write in giant letters, context is everything. Yes. Um, and that's the thing that I always keep pointing to whenever anybody asks me anything about humiliation. Well, contextually, was that humiliating? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can give a great example of... Uh, one of my favorite scenes I've ever done. This was the most intense scene, uh, probably among the most intense scenes I've ever done. The most one, intense one in recent memory. Um, this was, I guess, about a year ago. Um, my dominant, Miss Violet, uh, we were out at uh, our local dungeon, and um, she has this paddle that I fucking hate. It's about a foot long. It's probably half an inch thick. It's made of teak. It hurts. Um, and she uh, strung me up to a cross, uh, you know, just handcuffed me to the cross. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she showed me that she was holding the paddle. You know, she came around to the front of the cross, showed me that she was holding the paddle. Mm-hmm. And she, hold me, she showed me that was holding, she was holding a Sharpie marker. And she said, okay, now you're going to get hit. And every time that you scream, what I feel is too loud, I'm going to write another one of your porn searches on your back for the world to see. That's amazing. Here's the twist. Uh Uh-huh. She crafted a note that says, he thinks when he screams, I'm writing dirty secret fetishes he enjoys. Please point and laugh. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. So what was she just writing that or was she writing like, you know, butterflies or something nonsensical or? Well, no, she was she was whispering in my ear like supersized BBW. I know you've searched it, you know, <laughs> and just totally fucking <laughs> and then your... just writing, actually writing. He thinks he's I'm writing something gross, you know? Oh, um, my God. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's all happening. So it's a complete mind fuck. And you think that mm-hmm. she's writing this, you know, BBW porn and, you know, whatever right. you're searching for. At exactly. what point do you, is it like, I assume after the scene when you look down or look in a mirror, like what goes through your head when you realize that you got that big of a mind fuck? What's interesting, it was, it, for me, I went through two things on that. First of all, it was an exercise in trust. Um, because there was a part of my brain that kept saying, you can, you can say for it out of this. You, you can, you don't have to let everybody know that you've, you know, porn search granny <laughs> porn right. in your time. Um, and you know, but then there was another, like, I don't know, I guess the, you know, the lizard part of the brain just going, no, I trust her. I trust her. I trust her. I trust her. You know, mm-hmm. Th- that just got me through. 
And then the the other thing is there was a point at which I just went, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm only finding this humiliating because I'm forcing that on myself. I'm choosing to find my weird secret porn searches embarrassing. But you know what? I'm at a fucking BDSM dungeon. Everybody has something that they've searched for. Yeah, yeah. So you like got all zen about it. Like it's not embarrassing unless I allow it to be embarrassing. Exactly. (laughs) But as an emotional pain slut, I like to let myself be embarrassed right right so when you finally realized what she wrote you know was it not only did it take the i trust you into oh my god i trust you so much you're awesome yes oh wow that's amazing she sounds a lot like the way that we play yeah yeah we are very much into like psychological mind fuckery and it's it's a to me that's what pdsm is like yeah i could you know hit someone and slap someone it's like it gets boring you know but when i can fuck with your head that's what i like so here's the next one i have and i think that uh anybody that might be engineering your end of things might be interested in this one dick wounds suffering watches (laughs) so dick wound for those of you who aren't familiar dick wound is your co-host on the off the cuffs Mm -hmm. podcast so why this (laughs) okay i believe his play partner pinky uh wrote that uh fetish she she created that fetish um, and that was from a discussion where they had a particularly intense physical scene one night at the dungeon and everybody was just into watching that. And a friend of her, I think it was Jack again, who said, it's not that he was in pain. It's that he was suffering that made it so watchable. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so that became a fetish on FetLife, watching dick wounds suffering. Oh, I like that. <laughs> So a couple of others that I have here that I know that are some uh, ones that you're really into. One is chastity devices wearing. Yes. Let's talk about that for just a second. Sure. Absolutely. Um, the longest I've done in chastity was about a month. Uh, that was with my my previous dom. Uh, my current dom, I've only done it kind of scene specific. And um, I think we did it a day once. Um, but So more uh, short term yeah. chastity is what you did? Yeah, but I, I have done a, a full month in a chastity cage. Ooh, oh, man. Yeah. So real quick, real quick for our listeners, because I, I actually like um, being a key holder in chastity play, but a lot of our listeners nice. aren't really into BDSM. So, and I know every once in a while, sure. I'll post something on social media about chastity play, and they're like, what? What is this? <laughs> so like, can you catch us all up to speed? What exactly sure. is a chastity device for penises? And kind of how does, Absolutely. you know, key holding and chastity play work in the real quick blow by? What's interesting about that is that um, there are people that like I I always think that's a basic, you know, fetish mm-hmm. kind of, you know, a thing that everybody knows what it is. Um, but I was at uh, a dungeon one night and um, oh, I was wearing I, I have a again for the humiliation aspect. I have uh, a mini kilt. Mm. It looks more like a schoolgirl skirt. Oh, yeah. That I wear as scene wear. Um, and my chastity cage was hanging down from it a little bit. And somebody I know who comes to parties, but he's really more in the swing scene, mm-hmm. says to me, what is that? And so I, I lifted up my kilt and I showed him, you know, I was wearing a chastity cage. And he went, oh, it's like a chastity belt. Okay. Like, and I, again, I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So even some kinksters don't know what it is. Yeah. Um. It's uh, essentially a device that it's in two pieces. The one piece uh, fits around your balls. 
uh, to kind of hold it in place. And then the other piece slides up on your cock and it gets locked with a key. It's made out of metal or plastic. And uh, that way you can't touch the penis uh, unless whoever's holding the key to it unlocks it and lets you out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or or it makes you buy one of those. Um, you know, at Walgreens or the drugstore, you get one of those electric toothbrushes and then makes you tickle yourself through the little, little spaces in the chastity. Device. Yeah, one of the fun things about this for those of you like that don't that. have one is getting an erection while you're inside of a chastity cage because there's no, it's oh, like yeah. the Hulk being trapped in a yeah. jar. Or there's no place for trying to, to get an erection because it's, and it's, yeah. One of the things I learned doing that month long chastity, uh, jaunt is that a healthy person with a penis, mm-hmm. um, some people who, uh, have penises don't necessarily identify as well. Mm-hmm, true. Okay. Uh, a healthy person with a penis will get an erection two or three times a night. Uh, oh, yeah. Just through the course of REM sleep. I had no idea about that until I was wearing a chastity cage and trying to sleep in one. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Right. It looks like, um, you know, when, when they have the piece of meat tied up at the butcher. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Trying to escape. Yeah. And there's a variety of different types of chastity devices. In fact, sure. there's more and more and more coming out. The silicone ones are making yeah. it easier to get through, like, airport mm-hmm. security and not having yeah. to explain why there's junk on you. There's also some that actually exactly. have uh, sounds. I have one that has a sound built into it that's electrically mm, yeah. charged so that if you want to, you can play a little bit with electricity. One of the most fascinating things, though, that I found from the business side of selling things to do with sexual devices is that over 20% of the market for sales for for chastity devices for cocks is not sold to people that are into kink at all. It is sold to vanillas who have cheating spouses. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of a non-consensual yet a little consensual sort of way of making a cheating spouse like keep huh. their cock in their pants and i had wow. no idea that that was and then i started doing research talking to manufacturers about it but yeah sure enough it's over 20 percent of the market are just cheating spouses wow uh, another interesting thing they really don't make an effective chastity device for anybody no. with a vag at yeah, all yeah yeah like they it just it's impossible it's for show it's for play but it doesn't yeah, really it, work it, it's like a weird yeah. pink diaper that you could finger bang somebody with anyways like, yeah <laughs> and made out of leather yeah mm-hmm. yeah so Oh, I love chastity, though. I could just... <laughs> anyway, um, so chastity is a thing that you're into. So, okay, tell me, what, like, what is it about chastity that draws you to it? Like, what's the, what's the fun for you? Um, I think the, the, uh, the, the fun for me is... This is so hard because um, a lot of times when we talk about humiliation play, we have to talk in, like, really gross kind of gender roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but necessarily but i get that but right. i think it, part of what like when we play with kink especially when we're playing with very psychological mental stuff we do fall into those gender roles because it's the gender sure. roles that are tormenting us out in our vanilla lives so that's, that's the true. stuff we're trying to work through so we end up like like hyper emulating those gender roles in our play just to kind of like work them out sort of yeah yeah and i and I think that's what it is. Yeah, it, a lot of it is uh, for me about a lot of what draws me to you know just the emotional play in general is playing with those kind of taboos, whether it be of gender or race or um, you know age play, things like that. Mm-hmm. Just different um, ways of playing with with taboos in like a kind of controlled and fun way. Um. So with chastity, it is a lot about that, a lot about the stereotype of men thinking with their dicks, you know, and the idea, well, well if, if you don't know how to use that thing, then you don't get to. 
Right. Um, you know, right. Or, you know, you know, or how about this? How about we lock it up so you're not so distracted and get some goddamn work done around the house or, you know, just playing in, in kind of those areas on, you know, um, taking away the uh, power, so to speak. Right. I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, which. I always laugh at our guests for. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're doing it. Exactly. So at, at what point does chastity, because that, that's the fun of it. It's the play. But you said the yeah. longest you were in chastity was, what, a month, you said? About a month, yeah. Um, when does the play go from like, this is fun torture to like, okay, fucking get this thing off of me? Like, do you get to points where you're you're about to break? Oh, yeah. And absolutely. how is that for you? Um, that's a that's another one where I love to use my kinks to push myself, you know, to kind of see how far I can go. Um, so that is a, a, another one where I just kind of one once I'm at that point, which is probably after about a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, it's little things you never think of, like you have to sit down every time you have to pee. Um, because it doesn't really work in a urinal. Right. And then that's uh-huh. emasculating and it plays into the exactly. gender. Exactly. And unless you're in jail, like that doesn't really come up too often. Right. <laughs> 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 well, um, you know, but even, yeah, no, but just, just, it's just a thing you never think about. Uh, you know, as a person with a penis, if you choose to stand, you can. And it's just that that choice has been taken away. Um, so, yeah, it it becomes kind of a sine wave of, oh, I love this and this is fun, to this is really excruciating and I hate it. And I found that during the month I went to the gym a lot. <laughs> just to work out a lot of that frustration, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That almost might make it worse because you're seeing bodies jiggling. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So really quick, before we take our break, I have a question that I want to post. You know, I want you to think about this before we come back. Okay. Now, on your profile, you have a lot of stuff like chastity, uh, but also things like this. Eating daddy's cum out of mommy's cunt, yes. but you don't have cuckolding. Now, I want you to think about that. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about that subject. Okay. Do watercolors make you wet? Does sculpture make you hard? Does filmmaking light you up? Does storytelling make you want to talk dirty? Join your fellow art sluts and listen to Artgasm, the podcast all about the intersections of sexuality and art. I'm Allison Moon, and each episode features me interviewing an artist whose work specializes in sexuality. We explore the work of art and big concepts around the way sexuality is portrayed in the work that we make and consume. Subscribe to Artgasm on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get podcasts crammed into your ear holes. Or listen at artgasmcast.com. We put the ass in high class. Hey, did you know American Sex Podcast has a Patreon page? Becoming a Patreon member is a great way to show your support for this podcast. It works kind of like, I don't know, funding for national public radio or how PBS works. If you appreciate our work and the fact that we provide it to the world free of charge, then you can help support it. And as a member of our Patreon family, you'll be eligible for nifty, cool rewards like bonus episodes, surprises in the mail, and more. Oh, and you'll get all of our episodes early, bonus stories from guests, and access to our private Patreon feed. 
So you thinking about it? You want to know more? Check out all the details at patreon.com slash American sex. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash American sex. Castle Megastore. Once you see their sex toys, you'll want more. I have no idea if Castle Megastore actually has a theme song, but I really dig Castle Megastore. So that's my gift to you, Castle, your very own theme song. And you listeners get a gift too. If you go to CastleMegastore.com and use discount code SUNNY, that's S-U-N-N-Y, when you check out, you will receive 20% off your order. That's amazing. Castle Mega store. When you get your sex toys, you'll be on the floor because you'll be using them so much and they'll be so awesome and you'll save so much money. You'll get more than one and then you'll climax for a really long time and you'll just be passed out and you'll be like, oh my God, give me water. That was the best orgasm ever. Okay, everyone. Oh, wait, no. What? I'm going to be the bull. I'm going to bring it back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us about cuckolding, you little bi sissy slut. <laughs> So, uh, in all honesty, one of the things that we wanted to talk to Mm -hmm. Minimus Maximus about was he had all of these great things that have to do with cuckolding like things. And one of the last things I asked him about was eating daddy's cum out of mommy's cunt. Mm -hmm. But why doesn't he have cuckolding there? So let's let's (laughs) let's get into this and find out why you don't have the specifics about you wanting to eat daddy's baby batter out of mommy's poo poo juice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm not married. Um, ah. <laughs> is the that's the stock answer uh but i actually do cuckolding play um with my my dominant and i are also in a vanilla relationship and oh really quick can you explain cuckolding to the audience oh us? absolutely cuckolding is the act of watching your partner fuck somebody else and uh getting aroused actually that's more hot wife isn't it yeah um, well right. uh, getting watching fucking somebody else and you are in a submissive kind of being humiliated exactly. a by it kind of and there's, role. and there's a bunch yeah. of variations of that by the way right. for those of you listening uh there's mm-hmm. a, a ton of different stuff everything to do with um race is one of the things it can be cock size it can be Mm -hmm. somebody uh younger younger it can be somebody who is you know like the 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 cuckold himself or herself can be locked into a closet and forced to watch Mm -hmm. there's like all different sorts of varieties yeah um so that is something you're into though that is something i'm into um my my dom and i are also in a vanilla relationship um but we are poly she's married uh so we will occasionally play with that with um her husband and ugh. is he on the top side of things or the bottom side or a switch uh he's mostly vanilla okay um he's he's a service top or a service bottom as the situation demands uh but it's more about servicing her oh okay um oh, that's awesome. so yeah um you're talking about the different varieties of cuckolding yes and, okay one of my dom's other partners is trans Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she will do things like he doesn't even have a dick and he can fuck me better than you. Ah. Yeah. So like it really <laughs> drives the humiliation factor. Exactly. Home. Yeah. 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 Um but yeah, no, that's uh there's a lot of stuff you can play with on that. I know like the concept of playing with race makes a lot of people uncomfortable and mm-hmm. I get it. You know, yeah. and I, I am coming from a position of privilege on that, so I'm not the best person to talk to on that. Um, right. But I have noticed that, like, in a lot of cuckolding porn, it's almost always 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting when I talk to my friends that are like male bulls that are also mm-hmm. a people of color, uh, that that is so much pressure, like privately, when we like get together and have our secret talks. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that they say mm-hmm. is, you know what, like this, you know, the whole myth of the, you know, sexually voracious black yeah. male or, you know, someone who's a person of color puts a lot of pressure on them in like, you know, especially if there's somebody who's a little bit older. Right. You know, like, you know, sure. like any person with a dick when your person, when you get a little bit older, you know, your dick stops working as much as you'd like it to. Right. And it's yeah. really like something that's very difficult to deal with. It's pressure just being a guy sure. sometimes. Oh, totally. Going to, going to events like this and having your dick do magic dances. And if it doesn't work, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're, you feel, I mean, if you're into humiliation, that's a good thing. If you're not though, not a good thing. Right. You, you like know, if you right. have to be yeah. the, the sexually dominant male in any sort of right. situation, that is a lot of pressure. Like if I, if I'm not quite like, you know, all rearing to go down there, no one can tell. It's more just kind of in my head. And you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody's dick yeah. works a hundred percent all of the time, except for dick woo. and that's nothing Um, to do with his penis that's just dick (laughs) uh, a couple years ago i went to a cfnm and for your listeners that might not be familiar with the term that is clothed female get out of my mind that was the next question i was gonna ask and i love you're talking about all the things i love like chastity and like clothed female male yeah and and okay yeah that's a that's a pretty common uh kind of femdom party where the idea is it's not necessarily sexual um usually at the ones i've been to at least there's play um but it's more about you know just service about women being surrounded by a bunch of naked men and you know that's one of the ways you can play with humiliation and also with power because obviously if you're not wearing clothing you don't have the power in that situation um But I went to one of these parties and we're sitting around and we're having a great time and we're just introducing ourselves and getting to know each other. And these two like 19 year old dudes walk in. And of course they are at full mast all night. And just everybody (laughs) that was like around my age was just kind of going. Yeah. Yeah, When you're that age, you know, the wind blows and you get hard. Exactly. It's true. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Everybody had a great time though. Yeah, that was a uh, that was not the one I hosted. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to switch up gears here a little bit, and okay. uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about your past that has. N- mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to say nothing to do with sexuality because I don't know that for sure. But mm. you grew up in sort of an, uh, a situation very similar to Sunny, and I think you have a new podcast yes. out talking about it. In that you had experience with a cult growing up. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, if you've seen the Wild Wild Country documentary uh, on Netflix. I don't think I have. Now I'm going to okay. put it on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Are you uh, in that documentary? I don't know if... Okay, there's not footage of me in that documentary. Is that okay. the cult you were affiliated with? That, that, that is the cult. That, no yes, shit. I was, I was born into it. Yeah. It was, I'm going to go uh, back the, and look for you now. I have watched it, but I like I had no idea that that was that particular cult. Yeah. Can you, can you say uh, the name of the cult? or is that, Yeah, sure. Okay. It was the Rajneesh. Um, I was born into it, and I did talk about that on episode one of the Being There podcast, which is Dick Wynn's other podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I'm not sure how it informed my sexuality, um, because one of the other things is uh, I also have an autism spectrum disorder um, at, at age 34. I think I was diagnosed with Asperger's mm-hmm. and looking back, I went that informed my sexuality a lot because it makes a lot of sense that somebody that doesn't really understand rules and or, you know, how to 
um, navigate things like dating and sex and emotions would seek something out where there are, is clear rules and structure and you know that's mm-hmm. how your sexuality oh, that, that totally yeah. makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah um but with the cult stuff yeah it was um yeah so uh my parents were just kind of weird hippies that didn't want to believe that the 60s had ever ended and um actually lived the life that lived in the ashram in India when I was about four. And then I spent ages seven to nine actually living in the commune in Oregon. Uh, that was documented in that documentary. Mm. Um, and my mom was actually one of the people that fled the country when that small group of people fled the country. Uh, my mom and I were among them. Wow. wow. Yeah. And does it, is it just me or are most of the most interesting cults out of Oregon? Oh yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> just yeah. like the Pacific Northwest yeah. for some reason seems to be like you know like a magnet for like weird cults. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, and of course I'm sitting here like playing very distant armchair psychologist. But I wonder if like have you thought about if some of your um, relation to rules and authority, like you said, being informed by an uh, uh, autism uh, spectrum disorder, that makes sure. sense. But do you think also yes. part of it? was like the structure and the rules of how you grew up in this cult as well um yeah because there was no rules oh you know, it was chaos um okay uh children were not supposed to come to their weird little utopian um that was actually one of the things that uh the Bhagwan tried to, to lay down is he he encouraged people to not bring their children to the community they were building mm-hmm. and i don't know if that was for legal reasons you know so that cps wouldn't get involved uh i'm sure there was like a in quotes um spiritual reason behind it right um but <clears throat> i think it was more you know so that nobody would call cps and going hey there are children being neglected over here right um, it always makes it easier without kids than with kids yeah exactly. and that's for everything everything in the universe <laughs> yes <That's> true. <laughs> That's why um, we love condoms. So go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that is, uh, I think that is one of uh, the things, I think you're right, Sonny, in that there, uh, you know, the, those really crucial years of, you know, those, those preteen years mm-hmm. of needing structure in my life and not having any because every week it was, well, these rules have changed now and this is what we're doing. Ah. And then, you know, having that, that year and a half stretch of not, um, you know, not even being in the country, you know, I lived all over the world for, for this year and a half while my mom was abetting a fugitive. Right. Oh, um, wow. Yes. You so. have an interesting childhood. I'm like, exactly. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, we'll put a link to the episode of being there that you did about this. So if people are Thank like, you. this is interesting, yeah. go in our show notes at americansexpodcast.com and we'll have a link to it. Thank but you. keep going. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. I think at uh, a point I just needed to have some kind of structure in my life. And I think that may be one of the ways my sexuality was informed on. Yes. Give me rules. Give me structure. I need specific parameters to do things. Yeah. Yeah. That really makes sense. And now I'm like, Ooh, I'm looking at my own life. Like, Oh my God, is that part of my thing too? I don't oh, know. That's right. Yeah. Cause uh, well, you know, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I grew up um, in the church of Scientology, but it wasn't as intense yeah. as yours. But then it's funny. Cause 
the only TV show I watch and is my favorite mm-hmm. TV show is Shameless on Showtime. Sure. And I'm watching it. I'm rewatching the series with my youngest daughter and we're on like season two. And it's basically a bunch of like South Side Chicago, really poor kids growing up with like mm-hmm. chaos, alcoholic parents and, you know, mental illness drugs. and stealing and drugs and like, that was also part of my life. Like when I watch right. Shameless, I'm like, I'm at home. And like, by the way, and wait, yeah. this is something special for our listeners, American fuckers. If you have a chance, see if you can spot Sonny Megatron, who is in a background in three, three episodes. Three episodes, season seven and eight of Shameless. Nice. Um, so watch out for Sonny yeah, Megatron. Just because I'm a super fan and they film in our neighborhood. So I'm like, I want to <laughs> be an extra and I sign up for it. Um, but, you know, we didn't have that structure. We didn't know if like, all of a sudden the the rug would be yanked out from under us and we w- couldn't live where we're living or yeah. you know someone who's close to us disappears because they went on a bender or they got arrested or they right. you know it's like you never knew from moment to moment would we have enough money to eat would we have to you know pack up in the middle of the night and move would nothing was ever the same and the rules were always changing and just when you right. found someone you could trust or any kind of structure you could rely on it would always change you know what this is so yep. alien to me for one reason i just always assumed that the cult fed you guys like you know in my head there's like a garden somewhere in a like compound, super structured super and- structured and like yeah that they did they feed you minimus they they did it's um but it's interesting because first of all we had to have vegetarian diets um that was one of the rules of the the religion um but it's also um it's it's so funny. I've read and researched so little about uh, Rajneesh because I lived it, mm. but I've read about I've worked through it by researching other stuff. So I know a lot about Scientology, and I know a lot about the Mormons, and I know a lot about Jonestown. Um, and one of the things that everybody always says about Jonestown is that it was fine until Jim Jones actually moved there, and then a hundred thousand people were living there all of a sudden. Wow. Uh, Rajneesh was. Rajneesh Puram was kind of like that. There was one summer that there was just this huge influx of people because they were trying to influence local voting, which included they were shipping homeless people from New York and L.A. and Chicago to come live there and try and influence local voting laws because wow. they were residents of this tiny Oregon town. Um, and they just didn't have the infrastructure in place. It's not that we weren't being fed. It's just that the meals got a lot worse. You know, because they didn't have the infrastructure in place to support just this giant influx of people. That sounds chaotic. I mean, just, you know, they, they, I'm sure their words were like, oh, yes, we have and we do and blah. And then, you know, under the hood, it's just chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you're so, you know, and I've, I've talked with my parents about this. Um, You know, I've asked, why didn't you just leave? And my dad said, because you have 18 cents and three pairs of red jeans, you know, you've given <laughs> all your money to, you know, your spiritual leader. Um, you know, where did your dad still... get red jeans? Oh, we had a communal uh, clothing pile. Seriously? That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And it, was, it was also what, 70s, 80s. So well, yeah, maybe because exactly. I'm colorblind, I didn't know that red was red. <laughs> oh yeah maybe you're like all these people in brown pants no ken they're red oh the, like, the brown ones okay. yeah thank you some of those are red <laughs> yeah well ken you've seen the footage everybody had to dress in shades of red as part of the religion oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay um so uh, there was lots of packets of dye ah, ah. Yeah. wow interesting 
And so does does anything about the shade red inform your sexuality or clothing? <laughs> like, what do you think about MAGA hats? <laughs> no. Oh, God. Well, that's a cult. And, and yeah, that's a whole different cult. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody help well, that needs help leaving that cult, please contact us at yeah. American Sex Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I, I saw a report recently that, that said that Trump supporters are more apt to trust what Trump says than members of their own family. And I said, yeah, that's how a cult operates. Yeah. You know, that's, it's, that's pretty true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now I'm just like, oh, cults, cults, but also <laughs> sex. Um, all right. So when did you leave? Like, was it pretty much your whole teenage years were there or? No, I was uh, I was about nine. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was nine. Okay. Yeah. So, what was it like as a teenager and as a young adult, like dating and meeting people? Is like, oh, you know how you talk about like, where did you go to grade school? <laughs> like, how did that? Uh, that was hard, especially because I moved to where where my mom and I settled eventually was where her par- her parents lived. Uh. And, you know, her parents were willing to take her back in, and it was this small farming community on Long Island. So oh, wow. I, I entered a fifth grade where everybody had, you know, I think we were one of two fifth grades in the elementary school, mm-hmm. and everybody had grown up together. Um, so, Except for the weird kid in the red pants. Exactly. <laughs> and I wasn't... And I wasn't allowed to talk about any of that experience because my mom had pretty much beat that into me of like, you know, we don't talk about that stuff, you know, Um, which was, uh, yeah, that was a whole other issue. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, there was um, a lot of uh, secret keeping, um, which when I did being there, we actually compared it to... um, when you grow up uh, as a child of addiction. Yes. You, know, you just, you just yeah. don't talk about dad's drinking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm totally feeling right. like a kinship because I was the weird kid and all, you know, seven different grade schools in five years and all that. Yeah. Hey, weird kid. Yeah. Weird kid. Yay. So I interested. Now I want to bring it back to sex before we like, you know, okay. finish. So you were talking about like all of the lying and you always mm-hmm. had to cover up and you couldn't tell the truth. Now I found yeah. one thing. When I discovered kink, and I didn't discover kink until I was about 35, um, the thing that I love, one, is like you said, the being able to have rules and actually say what you mean and not like speak in induendos and flirting and be like, what does this mean? I don't, what are we doing? You know, Um, (laughs) but also it for me, it was the, the, stark honesty and truthfulness like i could say exactly what's on my mind or i could tell you what i was doing last friday night or i could whatever it is like honesty is the thing everywhere we just all talk about our stuff does have you noticed any parallels in that respect in your own life yes absolutely how so well uh one of the things um uh, about my my AS disorder, and I'm not a therapist. Um, I'm just a guy that lives with Asperger's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. Th- it, it's very often mis- misconstrued that I don't have emotions. Uh, it's not that I don't have emotions. I have difficulty processing how I'm feeling at any given moment. Um, and one of the things that that kink has helped me with is right being able to kind of make the connection in my brain and going i'm feeling angry why am i feeling angry well what happened and i don't um and that's just in 
you know, maybe with the rest of my life that's still kind of chaotic and nebulous. Mm-hmm. But at least in in kink, when I have this structure, I can kind of control that. And, you know, one of the protocols of my relationship uh, is that I am required to tell my dominant if I'm unhappy with any aspect of our, our dynamic. Ah. Um, and she put that in there because she knows it's not, not that I don't like talking about emotion, but she knows that sometimes I don't know how to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm required to do that. And, uh, in return, um, because you know, the protocols work both ways, obviously she's required to listen openly and honestly without judgment or without, uh, speaking back until um she's processed what i'm saying right that's amazing and i'm i'm like i can totally relate to that too i'm like i'm nodding my head if you could see me yeah she was actually wiggling her butt a little bit like a puppy too it's actually pretty fun (laughs) so i have a question for you do you have any and this is just like one last question before we wrap up here absolutely do you have any resources for other people on the aspie spectrum uh, that might be on FetLife or how to like navigate the this weird world of kink because we know quite a few people that are in the spectrum, some that are super heavy into it, some that are light, uh, but they all find it very therapeutic. Um, yeah. it, but is there something to help you navigate? Uh, yeah, there's a great group on, on FetLife called Aspies and Autis. Mm. Um, and uh, I'm a member of that group. Um, it FetLife groups are just are they're not the best for navigation. Like FetLife just isn't structured great for those groups. No, but there it's are not. a lot of great resources. A lot of the stickies in that group have great external resources. That's perfect, and um, that's exactly yeah. what I was hoping for. Something that will you know, it's like Wikipedia. You don't go to Wikipedia for the actual knowledge. You go there to bring right. you to the actual knowledge. Yeah, right. Exactly. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's a that's a that's a definitely a group I'd recommend. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Now, Minimus Maximus, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. And so tell us all of the, and we're going to have all of your links and everything, and also the okay. additional things that we talked about um, during our conversation. We're going to have all of those in the show notes, americansexpodcast.com. But real quick, tell people like, you know, where they can find you and a couple little good tidbits before we go. Okay. Um, I'm uh, on FetLife at Minimus underscore Maximus. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Minimus Maxim. And uh, I'm, oh, my email is, this is a mouthful, minimusmaximusocp at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. That stands for Off the Cuffs Podcast. Uh, and you can find the podcast wherever you find podcasts. It's Off the Cuffs, a kink and BDSM podcast. Um, and that's OCP kink pretty much across social media. Awesome. And I, I want to ask you one more thing before we go. Mm-hmm. What is the origin of your name, Minimus Maximus? Okay. Um, Max was always the name I went by in the scene just because it was kind of a, a dumb joke. You know, hey, here's a submissive guy calling himself Max, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and um, when uh, I started, like, really kind of curating my FetLife account, I was going by East Enda age. Mm. Because I live on the east end of Long Island. Oh, okay. Um, but people didn't know what to call me, even though I'd introduce myself and say, call me Max. Um, so a friend of mine said, how about minimum? He, he came up with Geekus Maximus. And I went, 
eh, it's not great, but I like Minimus Maximus because that has the role in it too. It's the submissive role, yeah, plus the full version of the name Max. So uh, okay, that's where it so. Came from. In my meticulous guest research, I mean, we have a team of researchers that help us really. Uh-huh. I'm kidding. Um, I yeah, Googled it's, just. It's us. I thought, I thought to myself, I'm going to Google Minimus Maximus and just see what comes up. Do you I, know? I, I found this awesome, like. Uh, Is it the barbecue Yeah, restaurant? the barbecue place yeah. in, what? In, in Oregon. Okay. That, that's yeah. on wheels. That's what I found most of. But well, I think that's this, Maximus no, Minimus. This is, this is, what, is Maximus. I, what I found was on Urban Dictionary. Uh-huh. Minimus Maximus is a sexual maneuver involving sticking your little finger, which is known as the minimus, into your partner's anus and fingering them furiously until you injure or break your little finger. (laughs) This is when... (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) This is when you've reached the maximum fingering your little finger can do. So it's your minimus maximus. Oh, that is great. And I was like, did he name himself after this? And it's even better if you had no idea. <laughs> oh, that is great. Oh, oh, wow. I'm crying. All right. Yeah. Well, on that on note, note, thank you so thank much. You so much. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Oh, All of right. course. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Good night. Thanks for listening to American Sex. To keep up with Ken and I, we'll first make sure you watch our TV show, Sex with Sunny Megatron, on Showtime. Then visit SunnyMegatron.com. There you can learn more about us, read our blog, peruse our workshop calendar, or hire us. For what? Well, either for private coaching, or to book us to teach at your event or university, or as sex and relationship writers for your publication. Oh, and don't forget, we're on social media, too. I'm the super social one, so you can find me as Sunny Megatron on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my YouTube channel, and a bunch of other places. But if you want to get me on Snapchat, you got to look for Sunny underscore Megatron, and you can follow Ken on Twitter at at tag PsyChicken. That's P-S-Y-C-H-I-C-K-E-N. Also, please support us by shopping with the affiliates and sponsors from our breaks. And if you contribute to our Patreon, we're going to love you forever. Well, we're going to love you forever anyway, but just go with it. Lastly, if you like this broadcast, tell people about it. Tweet it, Facebook status it, and rate it on iTunes and other platforms. Thanks, friends. We'll see you next week on American Sex.